And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show, of course. Uh, here it is, December 21st, just uh, four days before Christmas. And the big question, of course, is... Is Santa Claus coming to town? I mean, that's really what we all want to know. After yesterday's sell-off again, markets down. Um, you know, it's the, the questions I'm getting by email is, is selling ever going to stop? You know, it's interesting, right? Um, when markets are rising, nobody ever emails me and goes, when's the buying going to stop, right? Nobody ever does that. You have three days of selling. And look, it's been a pretty vicious three days of selling. I'm, I'm not taking that away from you. The last couple of days have been pretty tough in the market, both down over 1%. But um, this follows a rally back to actually all we set all time highs. So, uh, again, you know, this is just really kind of this emotional bias that we get sucked into. And, of course, it doesn't help with the headlines. Right. You know, uh, I'm, I'm watching the, the CNBC this morning on one channel over here. It's the roadback barometer, the Omicron variant comeback. Right. So, you know, it's, it's everywhere you look in the media right now, it's, you know, the Omicron variant, you know, the, the, the virus is back, you know, we're having surging cases. Of course, it's winter. It's what happens in the winter. We get surging cases. We get things called the flu, right? And we have, we have that go up. So, you know, but, you know, because we don't plaster, you know, for years on, on news that we have, you know, the, the normal flu season, right? Everybody's like, that's flu season. Go get your uh, Tamiflu, right? Um, but now every day on the media, we've got, you know, the Omicron variant, you know, more COVID cases, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so, yeah, and, and people are surprised that it's creating uh, a bit of negative sentiment, not only in the markets, but also in the economy. I mean, are you really surprised when you plaster this all over every channel? Uh, today, uh, Joe Biden is going to address the nation about this very issue, right, on the Omicron variant, talking about they're going to provide 500 million tests. So you can test yourself at home. And one of their statements is going to be for the unvaccinated that you have a high probability of dying. So, you know, let's use scare tactics now on top of all this. That's going to be really good for creating good confidence, you know, in the economy and the markets. And again, so this is a, the important thing about media is that media is a very powerful tool. And if it's misused, you can create a lot of bad economic consequences across the economy. Yesterday, of course, we talked a bit about the issue with Joe Manchin and him saying no to the Build Back Better bill. And of course, all day yesterday was just headline after headline about the death of the Build Back Better bill. Of course, and, and when you have that, again, the markets were anticipating more fiscal stimulus coming from the White House next year. And so that also contributed to that sell-off yesterday. The better headlines would have been, Joe Manchin says no, but White House talks are set to continue, right? We all know they're going to get something done, and we all know that they're going to wind up passing something. It may not be the Build Back Better bill that we are looking at today, but that's certainly something is going to get passed next year because it's a priority of the Democratic Party. So again, it's headline risk that you've got to be careful of with markets. And why am I telling you all this, right? I'm not making commentary about the virus. I'm not making commentary about the politics. Why am I telling you this? It's because 
This is where investors tend to make the worst possible financial decisions. They look at headlines on the media and then they make snap judgments about, oh my gosh, this is you know, going to set up a crash in the markets. It, I'm, not, I'm not taking away that it could. Markets are very extended, very overvalued, and at some point there will be something that dislocates the markets. But it's, un, it's never, usually, headlines on CNBC or CNN or Fox News, right? That's not what's driving traders in markets. Maybe knee-jerk reactions initially, the, the, the headlines hit, algos make some adjustments very quickly, you get some initial knee-jerk reaction, and that's what happened. And yesterday morning, we saw exactly that. On the back of this news about the Omicron variant and the Build Back Better plan, stocks opened down about 1.8%, got down to almost 2% yesterday, early in the morning, then rallied back most of the day. In fact, the markets ended up higher yesterday than where they opened. So if you need jerk sold yesterday morning, you missed that rally back yesterday. And actually, there was a decent recovery in quite a few stocks across the board yesterday as we started to see buying coming in. And importantly, what happened yesterday is that markets held support at those November lows and back at those September highs. So again, that support level is now holding for stocks. And of course, we do have some resistance now at the violated 50-day moving average, but we've seen that before. And markets need to recover above that. So today, futures are pointing a bit higher. And we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, potentially can the market get back above that 50-day moving average. But you've got to be careful with markets. And again, separate. And the, and the point of the conversation here is to separate out that emotional bias that you get from the mainstream media, right? Because they're just up there to get clicks and views and get you to watch what's on television. So the, you know, there's an old saying in news is like, if it bleeds, it leads. Brent will tell you this. He worked in news for a long time. You tell people the most graphic stories right in front of you. Coming back, news at 11, man dies of deer crash, right? It's Christmas, it happens. Um, but that's what, and then of course you stick around because you want to see how, how a man got, you know, run over by a deer. And, you know, that's, that's the thing you want to see. But that's the way the media works. The problem is, is you can't let that affect how you make decisions in the financial markets in, in, your, in your portfolios. And I've been getting a lot of questions, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm getting a lot of questions here over the last couple of days, uh, in particular about this sell-off, right? Is this sell-off the beginning of the crash? Is Santa Claus not coming to town this year? You know, look, anything is possible. There's nothing guaranteed. And we've talked about this before. Every, you know, the best you can do is, you know, make a wild guess at what's going to happen over the next few days. Trying to predict with any accuracy in the markets is very difficult. And again, you know, people uh, tend to be more bullishly biased because if you predict optimistically, you're going to be right more often than not because that's the way markets work. The problem is, is the one time you're wrong and you lose a lot of money, right? <laughs> that's, that's the risk. But if you bet on the optimistic side in terms of your forecast, right? And this is when you watch the media, it's always optimistic, right? Because generally more often than not, stocks tend to trend positively because of inflation and economic growth, et cetera. But at those turning points, those optimistic predictions can be very bad for your financial health. So again, this is why it's best to just kind of turn off the media, you know, uh, and just focus on what's important in your portfolio. Look at your allocation. Look at how you're invested. You know, are you in stocks that have fundamental sound qualities to them? Or do you have a bunch of stocks in your portfolio that are 
losing money and are just kind of wild guesses at markets because right now we have a tremendous number of companies in the markets that are trading at 20 and 30 times price to sales. They have no real revenue to speak of. And we talked about the fact there was recently a company that came out, a billion dollar public offering, right? It's a unicorn, had $35,000 of annual revenue. So we have a lot of that in the markets right now. And a lot of people are buying those stocks based upon thesis and themes and memes and other stuff that's going on in the markets. But what will save your portfolio long-term and what will help you grow wealth is buying those companies that have solid, strong, fundamental values that will weather both good and bad markets. Because look, a bad market is going to come. It's just a function of when. Is it now? Probably not. But at some point in the future, Mike and I are going to discuss this. What are the biggest risks to the stock markets? What do you need to be worrying about as we get into 2022? Because I'm going to give you a hint. It's actually not the Fed. And we'll talk about that with Michael Lee when we come back from the break. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome to the show. Of course, uh, Michael Leibowitz joining me on this holiday shortened week. Usually he's here on Thursday, but, uh, you know, everybody's kind of shutting up shop for Christmas and going out of town. And, of course, uh, we will be having uh, the best of shows running here over the next week. So uh, we'll have something for you every morning, of course, on your way to work. Um, so, again, we're not going to leave you hanging. And, of course, we'll be producing our daily commentary. So if you are wanting to keep up with what's happening in the markets on an everyday basis, Mike and I both produce a daily market commentary. You can go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a banner right at the top of the page. Just uh, click subscribe, put you in your email address. And uh, by 7.30 every morning, you will get an email from us with the outlook for the markets, what's kind of going on you know, highlights. Just It's just little quick snippets. It's uh, probably about a three to five minute read at most, um, kind of with a cup of coffee, just little snippets about what's happening in the markets, just kind of get you ready to go for the day. Um, and also too, Mike and I tried to sort out some of the nonsense. And I was talking about a second ago, you know, it's important to not let headlines in the media drive your investment decisions in your portfolio, because those can tend to work out poorly for you over time. And again, as I, as I was saying, you know, nobody ever emails Mike and I and say, when's the buying ever going to stop, right? But you have three days of downturn and people are pulling their hair out going, when's the selling going to stop, right? Um, you know, markets ebb and flow, just like anything else, just like tides in the ocean or anything else. You know, it's nothing just goes straight up. You're going to have these ebbs and the flows. And it's important to sort out 
you know, is this just some temporary selling that's occurring in the market or is it something that is actually becoming a bigger event, right? And sometimes we don't know that right away. We've got to kind of let the markets tell us what that's doing. But, you know, what we've seen over the last few days has all the earmarks of end of the year tax loss selling. You know, we're seeing the selling in the stocks that had some of the biggest gains this year that have the worst fundamentals. Um, we're seeing some of the stocks that were the worst performers this year get sold. Um, and that kind of tells us a lot of that's tax loss selling and portfolios rebalancing kind of for the end of the year. And, and now the question becomes, you know, will we get that end of the year rally? That's still up for debate. Um, you know, statistically speaking, we should see a Santa Claus rally at the end of the year and, and see a rally in the beginning of the year as, you know, portfolios reposition for the new year on kind of expectations of what's coming. Um, but there's no guarantee of that. So that's why it's important that we navigate and manage that risk exposure that we have in portfolios and make sure we always have stops in place. If something, if we make an investment decision and it's not working, you've got to let it go and move on to something else. So, you know, keep focused on what's happening in your portfolio, less focus on what's happening in the media, because again, they're just trying to get you to watch television. <laughs> and that's not always the best thing to do, you know, <laughs> for your for your portfolio. Mike, welcome to the show this morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, you know, listen, <clears throat> listening to the first part and listening again, I think the most important thing to talk about is having a risk management protocol in place. So, you know, Lance, we've written between the two of us hundreds of articles talking about valuations and why stocks are expensive, right? Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of these fears in the market, Omicron and what Joe Manchin is doing and the outlook for next year does not have the same tailwinds that we had last year, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we sleep at night, right? We're managing he money sleeps. for a lot of people, <laughs> right? Yep. It's, it, it's risk management. It's, it's okay to be long markets that are expensive. It's okay to be long markets that are that are very cheap. It, it's, you know, it's a question of do you have stops in place? Where would you get out? What will you do, right? And it's not just when will you sell, but it's when will you buy? What will you buy? Mm -hmm. What type of stocks will you buy? What type of stocks will you sell? What, what should you be selling? And it's on a market level, but an individual stock level. Stock market could be going straight up, but if you have some stocks that are breaking through some of your risk uh, management, you know, targets, then it's time to sell them yep. and replace them with something else. So, so the way to the way to sleep at night through some of these nasty headlines and, like you said, Lance, fear sells, mm -hmm. right? Open up, go to go to any big media outlet website, go to the newspapers. Fear sells and that's not a secret, right? That's that's how they sell advertising space. And the fear will keep you up all night if you let it, right? But but you need to set up a risk management protocol so that you know, look, okay, maybe we'll buy something and it'll go down, but I know that we're going to get out at a certain point and we're not going to get it handed to us. So I think that's the most important thing our followers can do is think about the future. How will I react if this? What will I do if that happens? Mm -hmm. What will I buy? What will I sell? What will I do with cash, bonds, you know, everything else? Well, and I think that's kind of an important point, particularly as we start talking about 2022, because, 
you know, one of the things that everybody's focusing on right now is, of course, the Fed, right? The Fed, the Fed, the Fed. And look, we talk a lot about the, you and I particularly, we talk a lot about the Fed here on the show and, and you know, what they're doing because monetary policy does have an impact on the financial markets. And we may, you know, there's there's lots of arguments out there. It's like, oh, well, you know, QE doesn't really affect stock prices and, you know, maybe not directly, but there's certainly a psychological impact of quantitative easing. We know that when the Fed starts QE, it's like ringing, you know, it's like Pavlov ringing the bell, the dogs salivate and run to the food bowl. It's the right. same thing for investors. When the Fed rings the quantitative easing bell, everybody runs in to buy stocks because they've been taught over the last decade or so that, when the Fed's doing a lot of this monetary policy, that you know stocks go up, and when they're not doing policy, stocks tend to not do so well. And here we are; we're talking about the Fed going into next year. Of course, they're talking about tapering their well. They actually are tapering their balance sheet now, um, and they're talking about increasing interest rates. And right now, predictions are somewhere between March and May will be the first rate hike. But I would argue that that's not potentially the biggest risk in the markets when we start talking about going into next year. And, and, and again, that, you know, that certainly them tightening monetary policy is a very important thing. But when we talk about that 40 percent of the stock market rally since 2011 has been stock buybacks and you talk about, you know, over a trillion dollars worth of global liquidity inflows having come into the markets in 2020 and 2021. It's the it's the largest surge in global liquidity in history for the financial markets in, you know, uh, such a short period. Um, you know, the reversal of those flows tend to be or, or would seem to be a much bigger risk than just what the Fed's doing. Right. And, you know, you also have a demographic issue with the stock market to some degree. You have a lot of baby boomers that are like the rest of us mm -hmm. aging by the day. But as they age, they retire and they lean on their 401ks, their IRAs. They become a little more conservative because that money is now their income. It's not savings anymore. And, you know, when you're working, your 401k is receiving that inflow every other week of money. And that inflow is flowing into the stock market, right? You're mm -hmm. buying this fund and that those, you know, these six stock funds and these two bond funds every other week, week in and week out. It doesn't matter if the stock market's up or down. Those flows are consistent and they're coming in. As some of these baby boomers retire, those flows stop, first of all, and they're going to be withdrawing some of that money. So so the the massive tailwind that has been helping the market for the better part of 20 years because of this large group of baby boomers will slowly it's still helping mm -hmm. and it will help through next year. But it's not going to help as much. And eventually it becomes less of a tailwind and at some point a headwind. Right. So, again, you know, this is all about money flows and where money is flowing to and from. And that's our job to watch those money flows. And right. like Lance, you said, th this year saw just an incredible surge, something that not even close to seeing in any prior year. So what you have to ask yourself is, can that continue? Can we see a similar amount of money flowing into the U.S. stock market again in 2022? And yes, maybe we might. But it, it's harder to see it this year than last year right. or 2022 well, versus 2021. Right. And, you know, another thing, though, too, is that, you know, going about stock buybacks as well. You know, a lot of people are pointing to, you know, small caps and mid caps and, 
you know, they've underperformed dramatically this year relative to, you know, the kind of the rest of the financial markets. And, you know, these are companies that have an inability to buy back shares. They don't have that, you know, those massive war chest of billions of dollars of cash sitting on the sidelines and, you know, kind of in, in, in their coffers going, OK, well, I don't really have any economic you know, beneficial investment to make, you know, acquiring another company or, or you know, building new prop, you know, property plan or equipment, producing new products, whatever it is. So I'll just buy back shares. That's an easy way to boost earnings. And uh, I do it very quickly, but it's not economically efficient. But, you know, large cap companies like Apple and Microsoft, they can do these things and they can do these things in large quantities. But small and mid cap companies don't actually have that ability. They don't have that war chest to expend the capital on buying back shares. I'm not saying they can't buy back some, but they're not doing it to the degree that we're seeing in the large cap stocks. But, you know, when interest rates do start to come up from the Fed, that's going to make a lot of these, you know, dividend payments that were made over the last couple of years using debt, stock buybacks that were done through the issuance of debt, that's going to make those a little bit less opportunistic to use debt to buy back these buyback shares and, and do dividend distributions. That could certainly weigh on liquidity for the markets, right? Right. I mean, even Apple, who's sitting on, what do they have, like $200 billion, maybe more? Mm -hmm. I, you know, some incredible war chest of cash was using debt to buy back stock. Right, because it was right? so cheap. Because the, the, the math just made a ton of sense. But when interest rates are, you know, half a percent, one percent, one and a half percent, that changes the math and it doesn't make it as appealing. Right, exactly. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Um, you know, looking into next year as we get into 2022, you know, is it really going to be the, you know, issues of, you know, Omicron and, and Build Back Better that's going to be the issues driving it? Or what else is going to impact the financial markets from inflation to economic growth? And we'll talk about that. We'll come back from break with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Gross Lance Roberts. Michael Leibowitz joining me as well. Talking a little bit about, you know, risk in 2022 to the markets outside of the Fed, right? You know, right now, the kind of the focus is it's the Omicron variant and it's the Fed that's going to impact markets and not really so much. Look, 
yes, we're having a surge in, in Omicron cases right now because it's winter. And this is the time that we have flu season. And, you know, while Omicron is a, a new virus that we want to focus on, it's a COVID virus, just like we have with the flu. It's just another version of the flu. And it's something that we deal with during winter periods. And yes, it's, it's rapidly spreading right now, but we're, you know, making a lot of advances in terms of vaccines and other masks and all this other stuff. Um, you know, to to combat that. So while it's dominating headlines, it's not something that, in my opinion, is not likely to grossly impact the economy next year because it will pass. And, you know, right now we're not going to lock down, you know, uh, Jim Psaki yesterday talking about we're not going to lock down the economy. That's the good thing, right? That's actually good news, right? We shouldn't be locking down economy. That's not good. And, and this virus will pass. It will run its course and it will, it will go on down the road. And, you know, then we'll be talking about whatever's next, right? But when we start talking about 2022, what are the things that are really going to impact the financial markets? Well, the financial markets are dependent upon really investor psychology. And investor psychology is dependent upon, you know, what's the underlying fundamentals and things that are impacting or will potentially impact the earnings growth of companies. So what are those? Well, that's inflation. That's economic growth because economic growth is where top line sales come from. So, you know, Apple makes, you know, billions of dollars a year selling Apple products. That's consumers buying stuff. That's 70% of gross domestic product is what we buy or sell in the economy. So economic growth is an important driver. And as we talked about a moment ago, um, money flowing into stocks, of course, is what's supporting asset prices. Where's a lot of that money come from? A big chunk of it's come from stock buybacks, companies that are buying back their own shares to um, improve their earnings per share announcements, right? That's, that's the only reason they buy back shares is <laughs> to improve their bottom line earnings. Um, so there's going to be some impacts potentially to higher rates that are going to cause you know, stock buybacks to potentially slow down next year. Could see a reversal in global inflows into the U.S. economy next year. We just had a huge surge this year. Wouldn't be surprised to see that surge in global liquidity surging into the U.S. markets slow down some next year. They tend to ebb and flow over time. So not saying what's going to cause that, don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised to see global inflows slow down a bit. Now, the other thing is going to be inflation. Lots of concern right now about inflationary pressures currently running near 7%, according to CPI. Now, the Bureau of Economic Analysis is going to adjust how we calculate inflation, and they're going to use the 2019-2020 estimates of spending to recalibrate the weights of the components in the CPI index. Now, think about that for a moment. What were we doing in 2020? We were all sitting at home, not buying anything. What do you think that's going to do to the weights in a lot of these categories that are contributing to inflation? Not surprisingly, we'll probably see inflation come down. But as Mike's talked about before, inflation is also a function of math. And when we start comparing current rates of inflation to previous inflation, we may see a very different outcome than even what the Fed is thinking as we head into next year. Mike, your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I've going into 22, I've, 2022, I put a lot of thought into actually looking back at the last year, what we do right, what we do wrong. And I think one of the best things that we did right was thinking about the kind of macro narrative, macro regime, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the point is that the Fed, we knew the Fed was not going to do anything. Maybe they would taper at the very end of the year as they did. But the Fed was pretty much going to continue to apply liquidity to the market, right? We knew what was going to happen on the fiscal side. So a lot of our decision making throughout the year was this constant rotation between what we call inflationary and deflationary stocks. And we created models and we followed indexes that we create to help us show which way the market was favoring, whether it was a more inflationary bias or deflationary bias, and what that meant for certain sectors, stocks within those sectors, whether to own bonds or not, uh, other asset classes. And that that model, that rotation model in the indices and our, uh, the way we talked about it and thought about it really helped us out last year. Mm -hmm. Will that will that that rotation be the rotation du jour in 2022? Probably not. So what we're doing now is thinking about well, what could it be? Uh, one of the things we've talked about recently, and you know, you've brought it up on a show, is will value be back in vogue? Right? Mm -hmm. Is will it be value growth? Might be. So we're doing, you know, we're starting to do work on that. Can we create a value versus growth index that we? feel like we can trust so we can understand if if this market becomes one where it's really just flowing from one to the other. Uh, but, it, you know, it could very much be something else. So the key is to kind of think about from a from a, you know, take a take a go up to 50,000 feet and start looking down mm -hmm. and saying, OK, here's what's going to change. Right. We know the Fed, at least to start the year is tapering and potentially raising rates. That's the exact opposite of, of the beginning of last year. We know that the virus is going away. I know Omicron's a big deal now, but if you look at where Omicron started, like in South Africa, cases are dropping like a rock, right? So it's a very powerful, very contagious version, but it's also very quick, right? And so you know, probably within the next month, we'll start to see our numbers plateau and level off. We got the holiday season, which may extend it because people are traveling and seeing other people and parties. But but things like Omicron and Mansion are Mansion stopping the uh, BBB bill, the Buy Build Back Better bill, are very short term events. What's the what's the longer term environment that we're going to be in? How do we invest in that? How do we measure it? What do we do if we get there, right? So we have a thinking that value will do better next year. That doesn't mean we're loading up on value today. We want to be, you know, to some degree proven that that, that is correct and we want to see it play out. Not just in the last few weeks of December when you have massive mutual funds doing all kinds of trades for tax purposes, for rebalancing purposes, for window dressing, and hedge funds and retail doing similar actions. We want to see a more sustainable trend. Otherwise, we'll continue to play that inflation deflation rotation. Yeah. And, well, and, and again, keep our eyes out across the board. Maybe it's foreign stocks versus U.S. stocks. 
Maybe it's momentum versus very low beta. I mean, mm. it, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, potential investment theses that are in the air, well, and it's our job to figure out which one will be the predominant uh, one. I know, and that's and to your point, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You know, yesterday tech stocks were getting sold off because of the inflation bias. You know, obviously we have inflation, the Fed's hiking rates. That's bad for tech stocks. Or they they sold off yesterday. Well, today tech stocks are going to open up about twice as strong as the S and P. So, is that narrative from yesterday no longer valid? And this has been part of the problem of managing portfolios. These rotations have been happening so quickly, but. Kind of the point I was asking you, though, is that, you know, as we get into next year, inflation, you know, the expectation is we've got this kind of persistent inflation rather than transitory inflation. However, when we start looking at inflation on a year over year basis and start looking at recalibrations of inflation, um, we're going to be potentially talking about an environment of deflationary pressures, inflationary pressures declining uh, rather than advancing, particularly if we get supply chains back on track as well. Um, we could wind up potentially with a supply glut um, as everybody starts to overproduce to compensate for demand that was short-term driven by a lot of fiscal policy uh, put into the system that's now not going to be there as we get into 2022. So we could see a reversal of a lot of these trends that could happen in very short order, um, really kind of throwing a lot of these narratives that we've heard about this year uh, kind of onto the back burner. Right. Right. Like you just look at gasoline, the price is up 60 percent versus last year. The price of gasoline stays where it is by March. The price will be up zero percent year over year. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that is deflationary. So that means roughly two percent of CPI is going to be zero percent, not 60 percent year over year. And that has a big effect. And that is true for a lot of products. You know, our kind of current thinking is that inflation will start abating come March, April, May, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're right, maybe we're wrong, but we have to start preparing for lower inflation, right? For mm-hmm. kind of a resumption back towards that 2% level, at least as a first stop. And how will how will markets react? How will the Fed react? How will different stock sectors and different stocks react and bonds and commodities and gold and oil, et cetera? Right. And look, the same thing to do, that, that same thing applies to economic growth as well. I mean, just your year over year rates of economic growth are going to start to slow back towards the kind of our two percent long term growth trend, if not slightly lower, as we have a lot more debt that's uh, a lot less productive. That's going to weigh on economic capacity. And, of course, a lot of the stuff that we've been doing over the last couple of years in particular is does not provide for long-term sustainable economic growth. Um, and it's going to and, and that will also reverse a lot of these cases that we've been investing on. Those will start to reverse when we get to next year. Okay, we'll come back from the break with Michael Leibowitz and we'll kind of wrap up the show, our outlook for 2022. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential Smart Money Tips for the New Year Candid Coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. 
Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Ant Roberts. Michael Leibowitz joining me as well. So as we go into 2022, right, there's so many things to be thinking about. And again, you know, we've had a great 2021. And look, it it's generally pays to be optimistic because markets are bullish more often than they're bearish. But it's those bearish periods that really impact your financial net worth the most. So it's important to be aware of the risk that could change the underlying dynamics of the markets. What changes that bullish psychology to bearish? That's going to be the big question, um, and whether it's 2022 or 2023, whenever it happens. You know, but we do have a lot of differences, as we've been talking about this morning, going into 2022 that we haven't had over the last couple of years, since really since March of 2020. All the fiscal liquidity being put into the markets, a massive surge in IPO issuances, SPAC issuances, uh, just a massive inflow of global liquidity to chase these product offerings that have been put out by Wall Street of last year. There's just been this speculative fervor in the markets as cash has just flooded in really from all corners of the globe. I mean, we've had global uh, monetary inflows coming in from hedge funds, pension funds, global fund managers. But then you've also had just a tremendous dump of fiscal liquidity, you know, giving uh, retail investors armed with a trading app, you know, free cash to go trade with. And so we saw a lot of impact from that. We saw companies like AMC and GameStop and a lot of these other meme stocks that have now become trend um, because of a, of, a, of a website called, you know, on Reddit, called Wall Street Bets, which, by the way, Reddit is now going public, if that tells you anything at all about where we are in the cycle, um, because they've had a massive surge of users. They went from about 1 million users to 11 million users in the course of a year. So they've had massive surge in people following that website to track and to trade a lot of these stocks in the market. So the point is, is that you've had a lot of tailwinds that were supporting the financial markets over the last couple of years. The questions we get into 2022 and 2023 and beyond is what happens to those tailwinds? Can global inflows continue at the pace they're going, or will they start to decline as we've seen previously in every cycle? Stock buybacks, which have been a huge component of underlying support for the markets over the last really decade, 40% of the markets, as we said earlier, we've written some articles on this. And in fact, it's uh, part of today's article that's on the website. Stock buybacks have been a huge contributor to the rise of the market. Without those stock buybacks, the market would be roughly worth about half of what it is currently. And that would align with valuations uh, to where we were back in uh, 2009 that would have suggested that annual returns over the next decade would be around 3 to 4%. Subtract out stock buybacks. Guess where we're at? We're about 3 to 4% of, of market growth over that period. So those are the things we're looking at as we head into 2022. And, uh, and the question is, is what potentially disrupts the bullish psychology of the market? That's the big risk. And that's the one thing that we can't really invest now for because we can be wrong for a very long period of time. And that's not good for our clients. But we also have to be aware of the risk so that we don't suffer large principal drawdowns when that risk does start to mature. Mike? 
So let me talk about my speculation index. And we've talked about uh, my younger son. He's 17, a senior in high school, going to college next year. Thank God he's going to be out of the house. And uh, he's saving money for college. He's working hard. He's saving money. And early, mid, up to a couple months ago, he was, Lance and I have talked about him a couple times. He owned uh, some of these high-flying stocks like Lucid and Neo and these stocks that are whipping around 5, 10, 20% every day. He loved the action. He was making some money. And this was, it was fun for him, right? He was trading options. He was doing all kinds of things. About three, four weeks ago, he came to me and said, Dad, I'm kind of done with all that. I just want to make a little bit of money. I want to keep the money I have. I want to make money. You know, he doesn't want to just sit it in cash and make nothing. Can you help me just build a, a conservative portfolio? And I want to, you know, I'm happy making just a little bit of money, you know, 5%, whatever he was thinking, probably 5 to 10% is what he's thinking, which is a decent year. But, you know, he's comparing that to what he sees as 30, 50, 70, 80, 90% gains in weeks or months. I think he's, he's getting tired of that speculative action and knows that he's going to college in six, in nine months and needs that money. So, you know, we sat down and built him a portfolio of like five stocks, you know, utility, uh, uh, an old, you know, communications company, a few very conservative stocks with decent dividends. And so that's that's one kind of bell that's ringing in my head is that the kids that don't have the risk and the wealth of, you know, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds, someone like him is kind of done with the game. Right. I think he realized it for what it was. It was a moment in time, moment in history where speculation, you know, and he was just in stocks and options, but it was also in NFTs and cryptocurrencies and SPACs and, you know, all kinds of, of different things. You know, you see it in housing, in flipping houses, all kinds of things. And I think he's come to the realization for whatever reason, it's not me because I'm constantly <laughs> giving him the conservative old man talk. Right. Uh, it's not me. It's something flipped in, in him that said, you know what? Enough's enough. I, I did well. I made money. I learned some, he learned some lessons as well. And I just want to, I want to keep my money and make a little money. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the Andrew Leibowitz index is telling us, and maybe it's a leading, maybe it's a leading indicator. The Andrew Leibowitz index is getting a little more conservative here. Well, and and, and, and Lance, what's real quick? What's interesting is he's actually through this turmoil the last uh, week or two, kind of markets down a little. Maybe it's gone nowhere. He's actually done well because value stocks have done well. So he's like, I kind of get this. I like this. I don't have to worry about. It. I don't have to look at my portfolio every ten minutes. <laughs> Well, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, he's, you know, he's become this kind of more conservative investor at a time where a lot of these meme stocks aren't working. And you are starting to see a lot of the retail frustration, uh, particularly, you know, and if you can point to an index besides him um, relative to the market, that would be Kathy Wood over at ARC. Right. Um, she's been suffering massive outflows of capital. And of course, you know, she was the, you know, she was really the poster child of a lot of the speculative fervor, particularly with younger investors. They idolized her. 
Um, and if you now read about her in, in, in like Wall Street bets and, and other, you know, venues where the younger retail generation kind of populate, they're not saying very good things about Kathy Wood, right? I mean, she's, she has definitely lost that luster in terms of the investing world. And that really just kind of goes along with this entire kind of meme stock issue. And this has been a function that a lot of these stocks have lost uh, tremendous amounts of value. In fact, we had a list in uh, last weekend's newsletter, I think, you know, talking about a lot of these stocks are 50, 60, 70 percent off of their 52 week highs. They've just been decimated this year. Um, in a lot of cases, that's been reflected in, in the ARK ETF as well. Right, right. But, you know, we also can't kid ourselves that that speculation could come right back, just sure. like a wildfire could just reignite itself. Right. Omicron, let's just say it becomes more powerful. It shuts down the economy. All of a sudden, Congress is going to pass a two to four trillion dollar spending bill and handing out money. And the Federal Reserve is going to say taper. What does that mean? We're not tapering. <laughs> We're actually going up to one hundred fifty billion a month. Right. Raising rates. Come on. That's crazy talk now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you have to be mindful of what's going around. And at the end of the day, the the administration, Congress, the Federal Reserve, they don't want to see the market dropping 20, 30 percent because like inflation, that's not a winning equation to win the election in uh, or to you know retain the House and Senate come uh, November that's of right. next year, which is less than a year away now. Well, and that's going to be that is going to be really kind of a very interesting dynamic as we do get to next year of course uh you know the democrats are looking to push through the the bbb plan by january the 15th because that's when the refundable tax credit uh for child uh child health care runs out so they're wanting to get that on the table to extend those benefits into next year but you know again you do have those midterm elections coming up joe manchin of course is you know is facing re-election i believe also and so you got a lot of these a lot of these uh democratic senators that are up for re-election and you know a lot of these kind of more populist policies aren't really or i should say socialist policies really aren't that uh votable in a lot of cases they may you know we're seeing a lot of pushback from uh you know both polls as well as commentary that there's real risk to a lot of these uh you know, House Republicans as well, uh, sorry, uh, House Democrats as well as uh, Senate Democrats when they face re-election coming up. So a lot of, and the point about that is, is that could put a lot of these potential bills at risk without having a crisis. I mean, the only way you can get these bills potentially passed is you're going to need an economic downturn to help justify pushing this stuff through and having to spend more debt. Without that, it may become more difficult to pass like a BBB bill next year. Right. I also think the problem is that there's a growing realization that these massive bills are inflationary. Yeah. And inflation <laughs> hurts the poor a lot more than the wealthy. Yeah. And that was one thing I saw this morning is that, uh, you know, there was an article out on, I believe it's on either Market Watch. I think it was on Market Watch talking about how Manchin is heartless because he's going to push all these people back into poverty. And, you know, there was this very quick little lift. When you give people a lot of money, yes, you're going to lift them out of poverty. The problem is that inflation has already pushed them back into poverty. And, you know, that's the problem with, you know, injecting capital into markets is that it creates inflation because you create a a demand over supply. And we already have supply constraints. And, you know, if you try to inject more demand at this point, it's going to only exacerbate 
those inflationary pressures due to the lack of supply. Anyway, conversations I'm sure we'll have a lot of next year um, as we get to that. We'll be back tomorrow for the next edition of The Real Investment Show right here on realinvestmentadvice.com. But by the way, and uh, be sure and get by the website, get our latest blog posts, newsletters, and our daily commentary every day. Get subscribed. We'll get those emailed out to you. And also check out our new SimpleVisor platform, simplevisor.com. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day, and we'll see you back here next time. It's a rich man's world. It's a rich man's world.